Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions this afternoon. The number to dial is 303-690-3000. That's the number to get on the air with me, which is what you want. Uh, the best part of the show is us talking together, talking about the things of God, th- talking about uh, what the Lord is doing uh, in our lives, opening the Word together. Uh, I get to open the Word on uh, my computer, and you um, get to call in, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Taking your calls and your questions, you can also text me at 720-336-0897. 720-336-0897. Good idea to put these in your phone. Uh, set one up as Calvary Live Voice and set the other one up as Calvary Live Text. And, and then you can just tell your phone, Android or Siri, uh, to dial it or to send a text to it. And, and you could do it while you're driving if you're in a safe place. 303-690-3000. Uh, I want to welcome everyone listening on Hope FM and Truth FM, uh, Higher Rock Radio. And of course, we've gone live now. This is our first full week of being live on the Radio by Grace Network. Uh, So welcome across the country Um, here on Grace FM. Of course, we're live and anywhere other than Grace FM and Radio by Grace, you're hearing it one week delayed. You wonder why um, we say that because uh, we just want to make sure that you know, even though the name of the program is Calvary Live, not every station carries it live. That's all. Um, But we're working on technology and, and the engineering on some stations uh, to carry it live on Hope FM and Truth FM. So we'll see what the Lord has, especially in I- Idaho. We want to thank you guys at Calvary Chapel Meridian because you really kick-started us thinking about it. And then Tim and the team at Radio by Grace just said, let's go for it. And so we did, even though we did run into that day of problems. Uh, it was on our side, not their side. So give me a call, 303 690 uh, let's pray right now for a text that came in. Ryan uh, was admitted last night to the hospital, have his heart shocked. He's currently in the heart cath, um, and so we want to we're, we see a request here to pray for him. Father, we do lift up Ryan to you and his family. Uh, Ryan in the hospital right now uh, with complications with his heart, Lord, and such a vital organ. Um, you've been so gracious to us. You, your word says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And every part of us, Lord, we want to um, work well for your kingdom. So I pray for Ryan. Give wisdom 
to the nurses and the doctors that are there that just have been working tirelessly over the last couple years. Give them strength, and we look forward to hearing Ryan come home safely, stronger, and healed up. We pray for his wife, uh, who's um, asking for help. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 303-690-3000. Here in Denver, uh, here is line one, is another Ryan. Ryan, welcome to the program. How are you? Good. You're on the air, Ryan. Yes, sir. All right. What can I do for you? Um, I have a prayer request. Uh, pretty simply, I've been estranged from my, my children for a bit here for more than half a year. And okay. uh, come to find out, you know, I've been aware of some medical problems. And my oldest son, Caleb, um, who is named to fight giants, actually, he's in the hospital. And uh, I got a bit of a battle in deciding whether I should go to visit him um, when I get off work this evening. I don't I don't want to cause trouble, but I do deeply care for all three of my children and uh, yes. just uncertain of what to do in this situation. All right, well, let's pray. Father, I pray for wisdom for Ryan, and as he assesses the needs of his family and his kids and his son in the hospital, and his desire not to make anything worse than it is, uh, to upset his wife, um, but God, I know that, um, or his ex-wife, I, I know that this is a challenging, difficult time, and I pray you'd give him a peace about the decision he's about to make, and that you would be with him uh, as he makes it and as he follows through. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Ed. Let us know how it goes, Ryan. I will. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Remember, now that we've added new stations, the phone lines are going to fill up a lot faster. And the best way to uh, get on the air is to call early. Uh, and then the second best way is when you hear a call in, that means a phone line opens up at that point. And you can just try to dial in. Or you can always text. The text line is open. We can take unlimited texts. And that number is dedicated, 720-336-0897. All right, let's head over or down now to Colorado Springs. Jay's on the line. Jay, welcome to the program. Good evening, Pastor. How are you? I'm doing well. Yes, my question has to do with um, um, 21st century American Christianity and if it poses a stumbling block to non-believers, to the unsaved or the unchurched, and what I mean by that is kind of the the CEO pastor with the, kind of the market-driven style of, of megachurches, and and also just even the merchandising that you know, is, a, is, a, is very prominent with a lot of television ministries. And I know that they have to raise money for, for you know, air airtime and radio ministries have to do the same thing as, as you're doing, I'm sure. But I'm just wondering if that that style of American Christianity is is more of a hindrance than it is a help. And plus the, really, the affluent aspect of modern uh, Christianity. Um, in other words... You know, very expensive SUVs, um, expensive clothes, you know, in parking lots of churches. Um, and then uh, on top of that, very elaborate um, buildings, uh, 
that often go unused during the week. So large church facilities that are ornate and um, uh, are very expensive in, in the building programs. And so I'm just wondering if that style of Christianity is is even what we see in the original kerygma and the original gospel. Well, I mean, I think you described quite a—we could break down—the whole show could be uh, broken down with each element of what could be a stumbling block. Um, I think stumbling blocks definitely exist in, in some of the things that you describe, and I do believe that the essence of the stumbling block is is a couple of things, culture to culture. So I think there's a lot of the Western culture that can be offensive to the Eastern culture, and vice versa. You know, there's cultural norms in the East <clears throat> that could be stumbling blocks for us in the West, things that we're not used to. Uh, for example, uh, something super simple, but could could cause stumbling block. When we were doing ministry in Egypt, um, they still held to a, a very patriarchal uh, approach to ministry, and they separated men on one side of the room and women on the other side um, of the room in worship. And they couldn't mingle. Um, there was a there was a time to mingle afterwards, uh, but during the services they couldn't mingle or or connect with each other. And so, depending on what culture you've been raised in, come, depending on what you're what you're used to, and certainly on another level, there's the excess. Sure, there's excess that is exhibited by pastors and leaders and believers and the affluence of of the Western culture. Or what you referred to as the American church definitely can be a stumbling block. What, what do you, what is, what's drawing the question out? Where are you, where are you coming from exactly? Well, I'm just wondering, you know, when I look at the, you know, the teachings of Christ and, you know, like Matthew six nineteen that says, do not lay up treasures on the earth, mm-hmm. um, but lay up treasures in the rampant materialism that we see in the church, not just with, expensive, you know, SUVs and purses and suits and clothes and buildings, but um, kind of the uh, the thrust of some of the preaching that I think that fosters that. And so I'm, I guess maybe my question is, is American Christianity, the, the Christianity of the original kerygma, of the original gospel? Well, I think the answer is yes and no. I mean, I, 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 I would think I keep, I keep, I, I keep coming back to this thought of, you know, who are we to judge another man's servant? Uh, they stand or fall before the Lord, and I mean, if we witness excess in our own lives, or, or we, we, for me as a pastor, right? I, I think that there, there has to be a, a line that I draw of my own conscience before the Lord. Uh, that I won't pass over. Uh, but I think that people could look. Um, we have a fairly large building. Uh, we have uh, different types of cars in our parking lot. I mean, I don't go through the parking lot very much, but I mean, even some of the things you describe, you could say that of the church that I pastor. Uh, and at the same time, like I I would look at my own clothes and I look at my own shoes and I look at, I have to examine myself before the Lord and even follow the discipleship um, that the Lord has given to me uh, through the ministry that God has called me to, and I'm going to have to answer either either yes or no um, to the decisions that I make as a pastor, and I'm going to have to answer at the bema seat. And this is something not necessarily the way you just put it, 
um, is the American church, and that could be defined a lot of different ways, right? Uh, because even in James, you know, the the idea of showing partiality or the the lack of contentment or the rich and the poor, like sin exists on all of us, uh, and how is it can it it can it could be exhibited in excess. Uh, where we have too much, or it could be also exhibited in a false humility. Well, look at me, I have nothing. And I think that the 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 Bible says when it comes to worshiping on different days, it says, let each man be fully convinced in his own mind. And so I, I, I think on the other hand, with some of the excesses or uh, even some of the ministries that we might say, oh, no, 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 that's not right. That's That's not the right way to do it. Lives are still being changed. Um, and the people that are involved in those ministries are going to have to give to account. Um, so I think the answer is yes and no. There's it all depends on what you're looking at. Do we do we is, could the same? Um, so from your perspective, just talking this through, could the same excesses be exhibited in a different country? I I don't know. It's interesting that you you mentioned James because he's in chapter five. He's pretty harsh on. Um, uh, I think the rich, and he, he talks about the, I don't know what the passage is, I think it's chapter yeah, 4 or 5, but he talks about, he, he talks pretty, in pretty uh, um, explicit language about how, and Timothy does it too in First Timothy 6, that, that, you know, the love of money drowns men in destruction, and but he talks in James about I think um, rich people who are exploiting workers, and that their riches are, right. uh, you know, eat, eat eat them up like fire. Jesus has this type of language too, with with some of the parables of the the rich man and Lazarus, a rich man who lives very affluent life, and you know, ends up in in, in hell and agony, and and Lazarus ends up in, in the bosom of Abraham. Again, it's a parable, but it's also uh, pretty explicit in terms of it's defining the the different realities, and then you know Jesus teaching of the the, the rich man. It's easier for a rich man to go through the or uh, uh, something about the, uh, the camel and the eye of a needle, and you know he uses a, a metaphor there. Um, how hardly shall they who are rich enter the kingdom of God? And so I'm just wondering if if we're missing if modern day Christianity is is. Uh, is missing the boat, you know, um, in terms of its its uh, thrust or in terms of its missionary strategy. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know. Um, well, I mean, in some I, ways, I, that's we kind of how agree. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at. I'm trying to look at the original teachings of the scripture and what it says about affluence and what it <laughs> says about riches, and that we're to materialism isn't rich riches have a, a poor prognosis to some degree according to Jesus and some of the other apostles in, in, in the uh, in the New Testament being rich is not yeah, doesn't mean, have a good prognosis well and and just looking at that word in James 5 you know he he he's really speaking to people taking advantage um, becoming wealthy at the backs of others people holding back wages the Greek word there literally means to have an abundance it can mean rich, rich, wealthy, or lacking nothing, um, and in a very real way. And that's why I, I want to broaden the scope and 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 wonder: it, Can this is this just um, from your perspective 
an American thing or can it happen in other cultures? And I would say it's definitely happening in other cultures. Um, and even on a general, um, a general definition of rich, not just being wealthy, but having lacking nothing, uh, being um, living prosperously or having an abundance more than we need. I think that God's going to hold us to account, right? He's Jesus gave two very key um, parables on the responsibility that you and I have with what we've been given. And I, I, I it always rings true in my heart, to whom much is given, right? So there's difference between those that have been given little and those that have been given much. And Jesus even shows a disparity between uh, wages, uh, between what's been entrusted to certain people, some more, some less. Um, but the reality will be, like Paul said in 1 Corinthians, that it's it's incumbent, it's necessary that a steward be found faithful. And and so I think in, in a general answer um, to your question, the answer is, uh, you know, if is does the American church in that general definition, um, it does it stumble people? Yes and no. Um, is it faithful with what it has? Yes and no. Uh, we would have to really nail down the person, the motives, and that's the good news. Like if if the good news is is I don't sit in the seat of judgment. I don't know the heart. And there are particular ministries I won't do ministry with. I don't think I could partner with. Um, I know I couldn't partner with, um, not only theologically, but also in their orthopraxy and how they how they operate, what they look like. And, and I think that that's what believers need to make that choice too. Um, but abundance, you know, that can be defined a lot of different ways. I mean, the some of the least, what we would consider the least wealthy people in our society are more wealthy than 90% of the the world. So in a real way, uh, we have to be held accountable for what we have. Yeah, I, I just, I really struggle with, and I'm 59, and as I've gotten older, the thing that I struggle probably with more more so than anything with the American church is more the idea of building programs. And just because um, that becomes a strong focus of constituency. In other words, that becomes the thrust of the vision. The pastor casts cast the vision, well, we want to you know, build a new building, and we have to raise $8 million or $10 million, whatever it is. And so, I, I, I don't know, I just, I'm trying to find justification for that, and then a lot of the buildings that are built are very elaborate, and they're huge, and they cost a lot of money to maintain, sit vacant during the week, except for maybe Sunday and I guess I don't have a problem with buildings, but the older I get, I get. I think it's just it becomes obscene in a sense that mm. that we have these huge. And I think the coronavirus kind of exposed a little bit of that because a lot of the churches were shut down uh, during the coronavirus, and you know the church is still around. You know it, it you know it, it did okay without the buildings for for the for six months or whatever it was or eight months, but uh, so I'm. I'm just wondering if that, you know, if the, you know, the affluence and the, and the riches is, and, and the kinds of buildings that we see in these these uh, programs that we see yeah. is compatible with the original gospel, with all the warnings that we see about riches and about how they they, they seem to be the stumbling blocks in the new. A lot of this, besides sin itself, um, a lot of the, um, I see a lot of the 
the admonitions uh, that, that we see. In the, and even in Revelation, we see that I think Babylon is a city that is that depicted oh, yeah. as a very rich and powerful um, power center, and that it's it's consumed, it's it's it's, it's, it's condemned, it's judged by God. Um, as I it, see, Revelation is a very political document. As I as I get older, I I find that the bema seat is making more, um, really informing a lot of my decisions even before I get there, and just thinking what's going to be wood hay and stubble, and what's going to outlast the fiery purification of the examination of Christ, both then and now. Hey, thanks for calling, Jay. Bless you, brother. All right, thanks again, Pastor. Bye bye. All right, let's move on to Philadelphia now. Alexander, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you for talking to me. Yeah, you're welcome. What's up? Um, I have a question about Revelations 8-7. Okay. Uh, about the, the blood and the hail coming from the sky. Whose blood yes. is that? Wait. That's a great question. Uh, in Revelation 8, it says, let me read it real quick, just so that I can stay with you. Uh, Revelation 8, what was it, 8, 7? Yes. Um, the first angel sounded, hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned, and all green grass was burned up. Well, I don't know, like off the top of my head, that's a good observational question. Um, you know, there's definitely, um, it could be, man, I don't know whose blood that is. That's a great question. Um, the trumpet judgments, um, it could be the blood of the hailstones um, and the death of people. I don't know. That's a great question. Who do you think it is? Um, I was, I was battling with myself trying to decide whether I think it might be, um, like the people who are not saved getting crushed yes. by the hail, yes, and the fire, yes, or yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I would, I would lean toward that. I've never really asked that question uh, myself. It's a really it's a really good observational question. You know, that's where good Bible interpretation comes. Uh, you know, the some people even think that what's happening here um, is a nuclear, some kind of nuclear bomb being um, uh, being set off. And if that's the case, then there is going to be a lot of blood instantaneously um, with hail and um, with the with hail with the angel sounding and the hail that the blood could be very well the blood of those that are being judged on the earth. Heavy-duty right. stuff. Yes, very. Um, Thank you I'm very much. Here. Let, me, let, me read to, let me read you something I'm, I'm seeing here from a brother of mine. It says, I'm not saying this passage can only refer to nuclear holocaust. However, the fact remains that upon detonation of a nuclear warhead, 250 mile an hour winds of fire follow. In addition, above ground nuclear tests on the island of Bikini caused the surrounding water to shoot thousands of feet in the air where it froze and returned as hailstones big enough to destroy the equipment intended to monitor it. 
So if that, you know, 250,000 mile uh, winds were and water bursting up would definitely mingle blood. So that could be, that that's a con- conceptual, you know, it's not saying that this is a nuclear thing, nuclear thing at all, but that's a conceptual thought how this could happen and and the blood of those being judged could be mingled with it. Thank you very much. I didn't even, didn't even know that. Um, yeah, it's amazing. People that spend their life studying revelation, man, they, they, they do some digging and, and find, and then we get to benefit from it when we read their commentaries. Yes. Bless you, Alexander. God bless you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Have a great night. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand lines are wide open. Back to Colorado, Federal Heights. Richard, welcome to the program. Thank you. Well, thank you for talking. You're welcome. I would like to find out something about this divorce and separation from your marital partner, your your wife. Uh, Every every show talks about it, and, and that talk about divorce says you're not supposed to divorce and supposed to be patient. But what about if you're being abused for eight years and you finally can't take it any longer? Yeah, is that being That's impatient? A, well, let me let me say whatever it is first, Richard. It's very hard. It's very hard and difficult to live in a you in a very special relationship that that brings two people and be, and God makes them one uh to live in an environment where any type of abuse exists uh emotional mental verbal and physical um Richard are you, in this marriage you're describing is there physical abuse do you need to call the police right away well, well my wife was put in two hospitals for being schizophrenic and I got okay. her out both times okay. and then she would have a fit and, and physically beat me up and pull my beard and pull my hair. And I yes. had an award winning beard in uh, California when I was in Hollywood doing a lot of movies and music videos and I got five awards, but she tore that beard up uh, mm. to look raggedy and ugly, and I didn't get any more work. <clears throat> and after I took her abuse for eight years, I told her yeah. a thousand times, one of these times I'm going to leave. And finally I did. And uh, is God going to hold that against me? Uh, have I lost my grace? Have I... Uh, well, well, the, the good news, thing? the the good news is that God is an abundantly faithful and forgiving God, and the difficulty that you're experiencing right now, you know, you know that you haven't lost His grace. His grace is unending towards you. Um, you haven't, uh, you don't lose your salvation over these types of behaviors. Um, there does come with consequence. It does come with greater pain. Sin always brings pain. Um, but here's the thing. Um, Richard, a, a radio program isn't enough time to really sit down and talk through these issues and and be able to open up the scriptures uh, and point you in. So I'm I'm going to ask you to sit down with your local pastor, work these things through, and let me pray for you. 
Father, I pray for Richard, and it sounds like it's been a very hard, difficult eight years. And uh, I ask you, God, to help him as he sorts this out, as as he is just wrestling with whether you've res- removed his, your grace from him, whether you removed your love for him. Affirm your love to him, God, and your grace. Affirm, God, his, your desire to be in fellowship and relationship with him. And I pray for this very challenging situation, God, that you would have your way, that you would, in amazing ways, show yourself faithful in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, you hear the music. We're coming up on the one and only break. This is Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. Calvary Live comes from Grace FM here in Aurora, Colorado. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back everyone to the second half of today's program. You're tuned in, listening to Calvary Live. Again, we're live on the Grace FM and the Radio by Grace Networks. Everywhere else, Hope FM, Truth FM, uh, Higher Rock Radio, you're hearing this as a one-week delay. But nevertheless, when you hear the show, you can call the number 303-690-3000, and you will talk to someone live, we'll answer your question live, and then you could tune in the following week and hear yourself on the radio. Uh, and we are broadcasting right now with lines open, 303-690-3000. We're going to go over now to New Jersey. Buzz is on the air. Buzz, welcome to the program. Okay. You're on the air. Okay. Uh, oh, hello, sir. Uh, Pastor Ray. Hi. Okay. Hi, what can I do for you? Oh, yes. Uh, I just had a question about the uh, rapture and everything. Uh, it's it's a question that probably was on um, everybody's uh, mind for quite some time. Will, when the rapture takes place, will we be in heaven eternally, or do, do, does Jesus come back? Do we come back with him to set up with the 1,000-year millennial reign? That's my question. That's a great, that's a great question, and one of the ways that uh, we often distinguish the uh, rapture from the second coming is that in the rapture, the Bible declares that we Jesus comes for his saints, but in the second coming, Jesus returns with his saints. And, and so the answer is, is that we will be returning with Jesus to rule and reign on the earth during his thousand-year reign. Uh, and so, yes, we will be returning with him. Okay, because, uh, you know, it, a lot of times I'm, I'm very big on Bible prophecy and uh, Revelation yeah. as well, and it was just, it's a question that's been on, you know, my mind for uh, quite some time, but that is definitely, you know, known for a fact in uh, biblical scriptures, uh, correct? It is, yes. Okay. Okay, that I actually was uh, wrote a... pretty much all I wanted to ask you. Those, those were my questions, and I do indeed thank you for your time, Pastor. Oh, you're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. 
303-690-3000. It reminds me that I wrote a little pamphlet. I haven't edited it yet. It's not published yet, but I wrote a little pamphlet uh, that I'm titling 12 Reasons to Believe in the Rapture of the Church. And it answers uh, questions just like this. And it, it is um, important uh, that we understand these things. It's one of the one of the things in the scriptures that the Bible is clear that we're not to be ignorant of. We're not to be ignorant of of the end times. And so I I reminded me to pull up. I wrote a I did a Bible study and then I took that Bible study and I've edited it uh, and then I'm gonna edit it more and end up publishing it and making it available because the rapture of the church is today is being neglected. Uh, and and even uh, questions like this, we want to be able to clarify them so that uh, we understand what the Bible has to say about the end times. Hey, give me, if you want to text, we have open lines, 303-690-3000, or you can text me, 720-336-0897. We're going to stay uh, toward the east in Pennsylvania, Linda's on the on the air. Linda, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Thank you so much. I'm calling to give you an update. I spoke to you last week about praying for the confirmation that I was to be a Christian counselor. Yes, what happened? Well, okay, people, complete strangers. I say hello to them, and they start telling me their innermost problems with self-esteem, wow. with things like that. And it's been confirmed, and I know, like I know, like I know, that the Holy Spirit has completely filled me. I am praying in the Spirit constantly. I spend hours in praise and worship, and it's so easy. It comes so easy. And I just want to say, God bless you for all the work you've done, and your teachings make the Bible come alive for me. And I just want to praise God that I am going to be committed to serve Him such a way. And I understand that I'm have to, I have to get schooled, and I'm going to try my best to stay behind the Lord and not jump in front of Him and wait upon the Lord. And I know that this is going to come to pass. And I wanted everybody to know the power of the Holy Spirit and all the wonderful work that you're doing. And I thank you. That's fantastic, Linda. Did I give you a recommendation on a book last time? Did you remember? Yes. yes okay, did yes, you get I, it? I have it written down. I okay, have it good. Written down. That... I think it was Counseling in God's Way. That's correct, by Bob yes. Holstra. It will yes. be a great little tool it. while I you're waiting for copy. school. It's on the way. Yay! That's you'll be blessed. So give us a call yes. back after you read a little bit of that. That's a a real. I use that resource in our school ministry here, uh, training men and women in serving the Lord. So it'll be a great, super immediate addition uh, to your heart in serving Him. And and um, my work is set up for me, and I'm 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 uh, I will I will. I will succeed. I know it in my soul, my spirit, my heart. I yes. have to take because I go to an Assemblies of God church with yes. a wonderful pastor. I have to take a pastoral counseling course. Fantastic. And well, bless you it, very yeah. much. Yes. Thank you, Linda. Thank you. Okay. All right. God Bye-bye. bless. Bye-bye. All right. 303-690-3000. That's very encouraging. And it's also encouraging that she picked up the resource that I recommended. Um, it is a really, so you guys that want to be better 
or you want to improve in, or you want to be used by God in a way of ministering to someone one-on-one, helping get to the root of the issue, using the scriptures. How do I use the scriptures to minister to the needs of uh, those that God puts in my life? The book I recommended was Counseling God's Way by Bob Hoekstra, H-O-E-K-S-T-R-A, Bob Hoekstra, Counseling God's Way, very, very helpful. Bob has gone home to be with the Lord already, so he knows exactly uh, how to counsel God's ways. He's celebrating in the presence of Jesus. But for those of us left behind until we meet him in the air, um, pick up that resource. It's a great one. All right, let's stick on the East Coast. Maryland uh, is our next state. Marshall's on line two. Welcome to the program. Thank you, uh, Pastor Ed. Nice to speak to you. Um, yeah, grateful. Just real quick, I first okay. started hearing you on Pastor's Live, and I started listening to you at 10 o'clock on uh, Hope FM, and then I, I now follow you uh, doing your Acts Be the Church. So, um, Oh, right on. I, I, appreciate, I appreciate all you do, uh, you know. And uh, I, I will t- say this: once I heard your testimony, especially about your son, uh, yes. you know, I really that really touched me. So um, oh. I find you to be a very, a very encouraging preaching pastor. So I just want to say that. Thank you very much. The reason I'm the reason I'm calling is because I'm one week behind. And so last week's show, yeah. you just spoke to a young lady about she wanted to know if like her dog went to heaven. And you, yes. you know, and she was giving you some passage out of Acts and all that kind of stuff. But that, mm-hmm. and, I, and I was interested because I, because it's been on my mind a lot, and I've been wanting to call in for a long time. I said, "Oh Lord, look, you're giving me an answer," but it really wasn't quite the question or the answer that I kind of have in my heart and on my mind. Mine is, okay. and I said this to Frank, and he said he has the same thing with his fish. Is when we get raptured, which we will, my wife and I will, we have these two sweet little dogs in our that will be stuck in our house. And then what happens to them? I mean, do they just starve to death? I mean, you know, that type of thing is what bothers you, you know? It's like, what happens to these poor animals that won't be able to be taken care of, you know? So. <laughs> well, I mean, that I, I don't know exactly. Uh, I don't think they'll be included in the rapture personally, but um, I do know that, they're, that we've domesticated these animals, right? So we have in our relationship with animals and, and as we have enjoyed them as pets, um, we've domesticated them and made them extremely dependent upon us. However, they have str- they have very strong animal in- instincts, and they if you travel around the world, you know, especially in cultures where dogs are not uh, valued. Um, again, in the Middle East, dogs are not valued. Uh, in especially in Arab countries, um, animals are able to figure it out. And they're able to eat, and they're able to survive. And yeah, it's not the sweetness of the 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 relationship that we can have with pets in our home. And um, but but I think at the rapture, animals will be just fine. I hope so. I mean, it should be because there's not supposed to be any tears in heaven. But when we get to heaven, we're probably not even thinking about our dogs back on earth. You know what I mean? So we worry about it now. Uh, we we probably won't be worried about it then. But that's still does it alleviate your you know your concern that you have for them you know so well and you know, I know part a real, of the real answer i just kind of wanted to just put it out there you know <laughs> part of the eternal state let's just say again this is all conjecture right because we don't know but let's just say that your precious pups last 7 years uh, and they make it through the great tribulation period 
and uh, they make it through and they're they're okay they didn't starve they weren't judged they weren't you know accidentally or whatever um, in the millennial period according to Isaiah we know animals exist on the earth during the millennial period um, yep. wouldn't it be interesting even in the um, in in the regeneration of all things um, that God somehow allows the enjoyment of animals during the, the millennial period maybe even the same exact animals who knows? maybe maybe it is you know it's kind of to the same thing that people ask me because <laughs> I'm a golfer do you think we get to golf in heaven my answer always has been either we do or we don't care <laughs> you know <laughs> Yeah, I, way, I do think good. that so maybe there'll be a new. Catch, you know, either we don't know so, about it, or they'll be there. And either way, it'll be fine. So well, it's interesting because I, you know we do know with the few things we do know about the eternal state is that we will have a different priority system. And like here, we have the command to seek first the kingdom of heaven, but there we will be. Uh, there will be no need to seek any longer. We will have the fulfillment of our heart's desires. We will be in the presence of Jesus. We will have new bodies suited for a new existence. And uh, I wouldn't, you know, as in light of the things that we care about today, we'll, we'll, those things that are temporary and that are not eternal will not really, we won't have any care or concern for those. But I think that the real genuine spiritual concerns will have a heightened experience of those particular concerns uh, and whatever God has for us, we will be satisfied. Yeah, I believe that we'll just be so in awe, we'll just be falling down worshiping all the time. Yes. And and that'll be what it's all about. But anyway, yes. thank you very much for your time, Pastor Ed. Okay, and brother, I, you thank know, you for your encouragement. Prayer for you, I always do. And, um, you know, keep up your wonderful work for the Lord. Stay strong. Thank you, Marshall. I receive that. Bye-bye. Oh, wow. The Lord is so good to us. Encouraging. To think you have brothers and sisters, you know, if you're, you guys listening on the radio, one of the neat things about a radio community as we're on these several stations around the country is that you have the body of Christ wherever you go. And you know that because when you travel, you take a vacation, you visit a church, you're able to connect with other brothers. If you have had the privilege of going outside of the country, uh, different languages, different cultures, different... Um, expressions of worship, but we're one body in Christ. It's unbelievable. So very encouraging. Out to Florida now. Howard's listening in Fort Lauderdale. Howard, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Yes. I have an issue with um, men of God, pastors, bishops. Why have you guys allowed the feminists to emasculate the men of God to start to promote women as bishop and priests when God says in Timothy 2 and in Peter, amongst other scriptures, that women should not lead in the church of God. Why have you guys done that? When you say you guys, who are you referring to? Oh, sorry. Uh, why have men in the surgery, in the church, men of God, pastors and church leaders, why have they bow to the feminist movement to do that. Yeah, so the, that. the answer to that for me, I can't, I can't answer that because that doesn't apply to me. You'll have to ask somebody that's done that so that they can give you their justification. So do you think that women should be 
um, go that they should appoint women as bishop and priest against the word of God? You think that's no? Right? I believe that I, I believe that the Bible limits the office of elder and pastor to men. Okay, okay. Well, um, I'm glad you do, and I think you should stand for the word of God. We women compliment men, but God put role their role different, and you know, I I I just concern that humility that God requires of all of us, and that the order in set, it has been abridged by the feminist movement, and I find that men now have lost their patriarchy, masculinity, and bowing to women like it's a, a political correctness. That's not right. Men must stand as men and love and honor their women, but they should not let women... Be, be put because yeah. they want to the best the best way to handle the best way to handle this is to talk to yourself the people that you have the concern with right because the expressing it like you are right now on a radio program with so many different people listening uh, it's best that you do what Matthew 18 says and if there's a particular local church in your community that has made these types of decisions um, the Bible says that if they've offended you to go to them Go to the leadership. Uh, go to the people that are closest to you and at the same time hold to the complementarian view that you have. Um, I don't believe that some of the decisions made uh, by those pastors or leaders or churches that have placed women in, in pastoral positions fully agree with what you said, but it's not my argument, right? I, I want to be clear, too, that while I have come to that conclusion, that complementarian view myself, that's not to limit women from being used in great ways in spiritual leadership within the church. Um, for sure, there are roles and responsibilities that women not only can fill, but do fill and are exercising their spiritual gifts in leadership, in teaching, in worship leading, in overseeing, uh, because women are incredibly valuable to the Lord. And and it's a very complex um, situation that you bring up, Howard, but the best way to handle it is to talk to the people that you're offended by. Uh, and and even though, even as our earlier caller, you know, the American church and so many, it's best to talk to the ones that directly offend you and then to live out your personal convictions in such a way where you decide, you know, I won't do that and I will go forth with the gospel and make disciples. 303-690-3000. Now to, down to Clovis, New Mexico. Robert, welcome <clears throat> to the program. Thank you for taking my call. You're um, welcome. I'll try to ask the question quick. Yeah, great. During all this in in Revelation, where um, Jesus comes back, I'm specifically referring to the Battle of Armageddon, and we're coming back with him. And I'm, what yes. I'm wondering is the saints that come back us, the church that got raptured, and those who died in between, can we get killed again? It's a war. No, no. In the millennial kingdom, there are going to be two types of people that occupy uh, the earth. There'll be those with glorified bodies, those of us that have returned, and those with earthly bodies that lived through the tribulation and into the millennial kingdom. So those with glorified bodies uh, are the church. They receive their glorified bodies 
Uh, there's debate on this, but they receive their glorified bodies at the rapture, and those that are resurrected after Christ returns to earth. And then those who have earthly bodies are, you know, gen- believing Gentiles and believing Jews. Um, and so those that have died and received their earthly bodies, or excuse me, their glorified bodies will not die again, no. Okay, but, okay, okay. I, I think I think I knew that. I thought there was some loophole in there where someone could argue, like, that the... They wouldn't have been raptured, but the ones that were killed didn't get, like, or rather, as you said, survived the tribulation. Yes. They don't have glorified bodies yet? They don't have glorified. They entered into the millennial period with their earthly bodies. So they, they will perish. They'll, they'll so die at their first death. There is a distinction between them. Um, you know, the, the ones with earthly bodies, um, there will be... There will be um, death in the millennial period. You know, the millennial period is like a sticky, um, a, a sticky doctrine within the scriptures um, because you have to put all of these different passages uh, together. Um, you know, the righteous Gentiles will live on into the millennial kingdom. Uh, they'll repopulate the earth. Um, and, you know, that's a Good question. What passage are you referring to that I could look up real quick about death in the millennial period? Is there one that... that, uh, No, 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 I don't have a specific passage. I was just wondering because I knew that... I know people born in the millennial kingdom, at least least from what I've heard on the radio and and what I've read myself, um, that that's... I mean, they're not going to live forever. The righteous, and I mean, it's it's going to be like now, for all we know, right? Yeah, the millennial kingdom is going to end, right? Then it's going to transition into the eternal state, right? So there'll right. there'll be an end to the millennial kingdom. But people, let normal, me think on this quote, one. Normal people will. I'm sorry. Yeah, let me think on this one. I'm not ready to give a final okay. answer on this. I'm going to think on this one and keep okay. listening. I'll try to address it tomorrow. That's fine. I listen to you every day. That's cool. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. It's a good question. Bye-bye. Yeah, God bless you. 303-690-3000. I love, that's one of the reasons I love doing the show is it causes me to think. I I do a little bit of, um, um, I do a little bit of studying and reading again. It draws me back to the scriptures and, and then I'm able to go, hmm, I need to really think that through. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number. Um, 303-690-3000. The last enemy is to be defeated is death. Um, death itself will be destroyed and put away at the end of the lake of fire, at the end of Revelation. Uh, so yes, there will be death. You already got it before I hang up. Just had to think it through for a second. Um, in the timing of things, the very end. Very good. All right. Colorado Springs now. Grace on line two. Welcome to the program. Hi there. Hey. Welcome. Hey. How are you today? Doing great. Good. You're so on the air? I had a question in regards to um, a previous caller. I was just wondering what specific passages refer to the position of females in uh, higher 
positions as preachers or ministers. Do you know of any scriptures that suggest that females should not be uh, in such positions in the church? Well, the number one passage that's the most debated uh, is found in Timothy, Paul writing to Timothy, uh, and it is, I thought it was three, but it's not, it's, uh, let me get to it here. Um, I want to say it's Second Timothy 2, um, but the Paul says he forbids, I'm going to say it the way, um, the way I remember it, but he forbids uh, women to teach or to have authority over men. And that is the hotly debated in the negative side. It's First Timothy 2. Um, he says, Let a woman learn in silence with all submission, and I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. And rather than drawing from a cultural argument, he draws, he takes it all the way back to Adam and Eve. He says, For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived. So this is, First Timothy 2 is the hotly debated passage uh, that would limit a woman's authority in the church, excuse me, that would limit a, a woman's authority in the church. And then from that, you draw the creative order, you draw the um, inferences of the leadership that Jesus chose, um, that who he chose for the apostles. I mean, it's the whole books and theology has been written on this particular um, argument um, of who would hold the office and positions of elders and pastors but First Timothy 2 is the key. And the two viewpoints, and you may be familiar with them, are complementarianism uh, or egalitarianism. Um, egalitarianism makes room for women as pastors and elders. Complementarianism doesn't. Hmm. That's well, a super so, simple hmm, way of expressing that. You're um, you addressing 2 Timothy, so it pretty much just proclaims that women should shut up and sit down and just listen, right? Is that kind of what you're saying? Well, that's not what I'm saying. I'm reading. I'm reading the scriptures. I wouldn't come to that conclusion. Um, I do think there is there that that when you read a text like this, um, you want to make sure that you're pulling back the full context. And earlier, earlier, yeah, Paul, I guess I can't. Uh, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around the context of this uh, scenario. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, earlier, Paul allowed women to speak out loud. So um, in in prophesying that women were prophesying. So we know that I do not permit, um, or I let a woman learn in silence with all submission doesn't mean they can't ever say a word um, because we know in other places they do and have. So, so then we need to, to learn, then we need to ask what is being addressed in chapter 11 and then what's being, or excuse me, verse 11, then what's being addressed in, um, in verse 12. So it, it's a little, it's a little in depth, uh, in coming to a conclusion, um, but my conclusion is not for a woman to sit and be silent and never talk and and whatever, however else you described it. No, I don't. I don't come to that conclusion from this text at all. Yeah, I'd have to read it in totality. I, I um, have not read that verse personally, so I, I was just curious yeah. as to where your former uh, speaker had gotten his information. But, well, and uh, I'll go with, ahead and read it, but. Do you have any uh, counter verses that would also help me supplement 
the the verses in two Timothy. That yeah, you e- email me describing. if you email me. I will send you some things that you can you can read through and then maybe call back and have a you know with a follow up question. I'll t- I'll send you my notes on when I taught this section, and then I'll send you a couple summary paragraphs on the both both views, and and then we could talk about it again. I'd love to hear your point of view. Yeah, absolutely. I'll um give it a deep dive. Okay, so my email is ed at edtaylor.org. Ed at edtaylor.com or org, you said? Uh, No, it has to be .org. Uh, .com belongs to Santa Claus. We don't want any emails going to him. (laughs) .org is mine. (laughs) Yeah, and just just remind me of the conversation, and uh, by by Friday, maybe even tomorrow, I'll be able to answer it. Okay, excellent. Thanks, Ed. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, we're coming up on the end of the program today. We have service tonight here at Calvary Church in Aurora, 7 p.m. Uh, we're we're studying the book of Jude together. Uh, so come on out, either here in person or online. We're just so encouraged by the growth of our midweek Bible study again. And we pray together. We have communion together. We sing together. We study the Bible together. And, and we talk about difficult things like this when they come up. That's one of the advantages of teaching through the Bible. Um, we touch every topic. And, and, and just, just by way of, of review, um, we, we try to limit, but when somebody expresses an opinion on Calvary Live, it doesn't mean the station you're listening to approves of that opinion. So we value dialogue, we value questions, um, but, but we don't agree with every single thing a caller says, just so you guys know. Um, and it's good to clarify, like my sister did, uh, let's talk about it, let's clarify and allow the Holy Spirit to use us. We'll see many of you guys tonight. God bless you guys around the country. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.